Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Square Inch, where we engage every square inch of God's world with God's worldview. I'm your host, Robert Cunningham, and this week I want to talk about what our entire culture is talking about, the tragic and untimely death of Kobe Bryant. I was a part of the Michael Jordan generation and didn't follow Kobe's career as closely but I know for many, and especially those younger for me, this this is as big of a tragedy as it gets. I was trying to think. I, I, I can't think of another athlete, at least one as big as Kobe, that passed away uh, so early like this. So in many ways, this is unprecedented territory for us. And being that this is what is dominating everyone's minds and conversations, I think it's definitely worth a podcast. Um, There are obviously many things being written about Kobe's life and legacy, but I want to talk about the thing that nobody wants to talk about, which is the reality of his death. There is no greater cultural issue than death because it obviously transcends every culture. It's something every single person must face. And so if we are going to – if we're going to engage every square inch of God's world, then that most certainly – must include the myriad of graveyards that fill God's world. Death is unavoidable. And when someone so iconic with what can only be labeled as an air of invincibility like Kobe Bryant tragically dies an untimely death, then the reality of death hits home in unique ways. What are we to do with death's inevitability? There is no greater cultural question than this one, and it's one that everyone in our culture is facing right now, which quite honestly is a change for us. We in America live in what I call a death-avoidant society. This is unique, historically speaking, and still unique compared to underdeveloped countries. If you visit other cultures that aren't as developed as the West, you will notice that death is an ever-present reality that they are forced to deal with. But America is a culture living in death denial. Ultimately, it obviously cannot be denied, but we're giving it our best shot. Um, With advanced technology and medicine, we're delaying it more and more. With endless entertainment and affluence, we distract ourselves from it. I mean, heck, with Photoshop pictures and cosmetic surgeries and procedures, we even hide our progression toward it. And in so doing, we no longer have a category for it. We are literally trying to avoid the most fundamental experience of human life, that life itself must come to an end. And that avoidance might be comfortable, but it's not healthy. Psalm 91.12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, that's an interesting verse, that a heart of wisdom is found in contemplating your own death date. You know you have one of those, right? You don't just have a birthday. You have a death day. Your days are numbered, and with every breath, you grow closer to your final breath. Again, that's not something Americans like to think about, but occasionally, Our culture has no choice. Occasionally, like a strange intruder, death forces its way into our normal American routine and demands we stare down its inevitability. And such is the case for us right now. Kobe Bryant has died. 
as we collectively try to grapple with that sentence, I suggest that the grappling itself is important to life. Do not so quickly move on, as tempting as it may be. Instead, linger. Linger that you might learn. Learn the sacred wisdom that death uniquely affords us. So I want to ask the question of all questions today. What are you going to do about your death? Unfortunately, I fear American Christianity is ill-equipped to answer, um, help you answer that question. I wish it weren't so, but I fear American churches have joined the narrative of death avoidance. You know, it used to be that the church was the one place in culture you could go to deal with the weighty matters of life, including, of course, death. Church was the place, quite literally, where you could learn how to die. But now our churches are marked with an over-obsession of youth culture, intentional triviality and triteness, this ethos of prosperity and self-help and self-improvement, and there's just no room for lament and solemnity, um, for weightiness and suffering. And heaven forbid a preacher um, have the unction to look people in the eye and say, you know you're going to die. That's just not what our culture wants to think about. And in order to attract our culture, our churches have decided not to talk about it that much, which is a shame because the Christian worldview more than any other offers a compelling answer to the dilemma of death. When it comes to death, humanity essentially has three options, the secular option, the religious option, and the Christian option. And yes, the Christian option is so utterly unique that it is its own category. The secular option is easy. This is all there is. Any concept of life after death is a figment of human imagination to help us cope with um, humanity's unique ability to self-contemplate the reality of death. That is to say, we're the only part of the quote-unquote animal kingdom that knows we're going to die, and so we've created this idea of life after death to cope. But this is all wishful thinking. Death is the end of consciousness, and there is quite literally nothing after it. So the secular answer to death is to enjoy life and fight death as best as possible. Now, the religious option on the surface seems more complicated, but in actuality, it's pretty straightforward as well. According to religions, this life is not all there is, but the precursor to a much more significant post-death experience. That is to say, not only is there an afterlife, but the afterlife is actually vastly more important. Um, Now, the visions of this afterlife are very different according to different religions. Most have some version of either a reward or punishment, but what is common to all of them is that the post-death experience is dramatically different than our current experience. Even Eastern religions that teach cycles of reincarnation in this life, even they have a final end goal of nirvana where the soul or the conscience is released from the cycle and achieves an ethereal state of nirvana. So what all religions share in common is the primacy of an afterlife that is very different from this life. And what this effectively does is turn this life into a proving ground for the much more important afterlife. There are tenets to keep, philosophies to embrace, rules to obey, and what we are doing now is essentially building our resume for the more important afterlife existence. Religions are all different takes on that same concept. So the religion solution to death 
is religious devotion in this life that will yield reward in a dissimilar afterlife. And then contrary to both the secular and religious views, Christianity presents an utterly unique solution to death. Contrary to secularism, the Christian worldview teaches that there is more to life than this life. However, contrary to religion, the Christian worldview teaches that this life is more than just a proving ground for a much more important celestial existence in another realm, but instead this life is destined to be our eternal life and reward. Let me explain that. I think we understand why the Christian answer is different than the secular answer, but most people assume that it is no different than other religious answers. Christians believe they go to heaven after they die. But what if I told you that Christians view this life as our heavenly destiny? Christians certainly believe that upon death, our souls are separated from our bodies and are welcomed into the presence of God. But this is not our vision of heaven, certainly not our eternal vision of heaven. Instead, our heaven is this life that we all love, only this life perfected. The hope that our souls will be reunited with our bodies that will then be raised to live forever in perfected creation. So please listen to me. Forget every Hallmark card vision of heaven you have ever seen. Heaven is not floating around on clouds playing harps for eternity. That's miserable. That's not heaven. I find that so many Christians just want to go to heaven when they die because they don't want to go to hell. (laughs) Heaven doesn't really excite them. It's just the better of the two options. If we're honest with ourselves, what we really want is not to die. More specifically, what we really want is the best of life here and now without all the troubles of this life here and now. And that reality immortalized forever. Doesn't that sound much more like heaven to you? Well, guess why that is? Because that is heaven. Eden is heaven. Life in this world with God as God designed is heaven, which means you don't have to give up on your longings for life as it should be. Don't you love this world? Don't you love this life? I mean, life can be hard, but when Louis Armstrong sings, I see skies of blue and clouds of white, bright blessed days and dark sacred nights, And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. But does that not deeply resonate with you? It should. This is God's world, and life in it was his idea. And the Christian hope is not that we will escape this to float around forever in clouds. It is that we will have this, but this will finally be as it should be. In this way, the Christian worldview affirms the secular worldview, which says enjoy this life to the fullest. But at the same time, we recognize this life is also deeply flawed and full of pain, trauma, hardship, and ultimately death. So we would also affirm the religious worldview that says this life isn't as good as it gets and there is a much better destiny to come. Well, the two come together in one word that is utterly unique to the Christian faith, resurrection. Of course, everyone knows that the resurrection of Jesus is central to the Christian faith, but I wonder if people know why. The most common answer is that the resurrection vindicates Jesus. It it, it definitively proves that he is who he says he is, namely God in flesh and the Savior of the world. And this is true. 
the resurrection is the central apologetic of the Christian faith because I don't know about you, but out of all the religious claims out there, I'm going to go with a guy who rose from the dead. But it's more than merely an apologetic. It's a prototype, or as Paul calls it, it's a first fruit, meaning the resurrection of Jesus is the first resurrection bloom of an entire resurrection harvest that is to come. What we see in the resurrection of Jesus is a preview of our destiny, indeed the destiny of all creation. And so the Christian answer to death is the undoing of death. Death and all its effects shall be reversed by the power of resurrection. And in this way, the Christian burial is but the planting of a seed that will blossom resurrection. So the Christian says, let death's winter come. It is only the pathway to resurrection spring. The resurrection transforms death into merely the pathway of what we all long to be true, life as we know it only perfected. In other words, death now does us a favor by swallowing up what is wrong with this world so that what is right with this world might be raised as the exclusive reality. That's Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. The perishable must be buried that the imperishable might rise. The corruptible must be buried that the incorruptible might rise. The mortal must be buried that immortality might rise. Indeed, the curse of death is buried that eternal life might rise. Now, I know you were tempted to say this is nothing but wishful thinking. I wish it was true. Uh, But come on, you can't expect me to believe this stuff. It's nice to imagine that death could actually be reversed, but it just doesn't happen. Everyone dies, end of story, and we have countless graves throughout this world to prove this is true. Ah, but the Christian replies, every grave but one. One time, death lost. One time, a tomb yielded life And the one who is risen promises that his outcome shall be our outcome, promising all who go to their death trusting in him will one day rise like him. It may seem impossible, but the point is if it happened once, it can and will happen again. That's actually the title of a poem I once wrote. I went to a cemetery one time for some reflection. That might sound morbid, actually, as I say it. It is morbid, but it's actually a good exercise. Again, teach us to number our days. It's a good exercise occasionally to visit a cemetery. And I got out my pen, and let me read for you what I wrote, because it's essentially everything I've said in this podcast. So picture me on a cold, hard stone bench, surveying graves as far as the eye can see, graves that seemingly mock the hope I believe that the dead in Christ shall be raised. And this is what I wrote. Cold, dark, final sleep. Is this rest? Is this peace? This cryptic end that waits us all? This final verdict of the fall? Who are these lives etched in stone, surrendered now to dark unknown? Years of laughter now suppressed, wealth collected, meaningless. Legacy gone, names forgotten, no more dawn final autumn. Soon we all must have our turn. 
what they now know we must learn. Deny, distract, it matters not. Hide if you must, you will be caught. What will you make of this cruel reality? What will you do with your own mortality? The cynic says nothing for nothing awaits. So this is the secular worldview. The cynic says nothing for nothing awaits. No meaning, no purpose, no heavenly fate. Fortunate dust, that's all we are. Borrowed matter of a distant star. There is no soul. There is no hope. Just vain existence with which to cope. You had your turn with this thing called life. Now fall asleep to the nothingness night. Yet this cold, hard dogma is not without cracks. Remember, I talk often in this podcast about cracks in the secular worldview. That's what I'm talking about here. Yet this cold, hard dogma is not without cracks. Easy to imagine, impossible to enact. We all carry on with longings undaunted. Perhaps we are secular, but the secular is haunted. Can you really obey subjective morality? Remember my uh, podcast on the reality of evil and how I said the secular naturalistic worldview always ends with evil as not a thing but as a subjective reality. And that's what I'm talking about here. Can you really obey subjective morality? Can you really inhabit a pointless reality? Can lovers embrace as though love is a lie? Are you not troubled by the question, why? These seeds of transcendence are there for a reason. They whisper God's presence. They echo of Eden. They're hounding. They're haunting. They're speaking to you. They're telling a story you long to be true. A story where death is no longer the victor, where life overwhelms what once was so bitter, where sorrow gives way to immeasurable joy, where guilt has no say, where pain is destroyed. Wishful thinking? I'd tend to agree were it not for a strange Nazarene. His claims, outrageous. His deeds, omnipotent. His love, contagious. His promise, magnificent. Divine intentions now broken through. Almighty God is on the move, entering into our veil of tears. Fear not, he says, your king is here. Here to turn our wrongs to right, here to awaken the dawn of our night, here to proclaim the forgiveness of sin, here to crush Satan, he is here to win. But then the cross, then our king in a grave, all promise, all hope, bound to a cave, another great story neath the ruins of history, but in the grandest of twists, the cave was empty." Calvary's darkness, now Easter morning, the Lamb who was silenced has come forth roaring, with glorious news to a world despairing. His promise to us, this is only the beginning. This the first moment of a new reality. This the first chapter of a whole new story. This the first birth of a new humanity. This the first twinkling of a whole new glory. Jesus, the first fruit of resurrection harvest, like our Savior before us, we shall rise from the darkness. Yes, ashes to ashes. Yes, dust to dust. But what happened to Jesus will happen to us. Awaken to dwell in perfect creation. Awaken to claim our no condemnation. Every pain restored, every sadness untrue, no more war, all things new. But it's just impossible our doubts still cry. Yes, but Easter now lets us reply with certain hearts and audacious grins. 
If it happen once, it shall happen again. Friends, Kobe Bryant has died. I'm going to die. You're going to die. What are you going to do about your death? You can accept that this is all there is with no hope of heaven. You can choose a religion and hope to escape one day after life to heaven. Or you could follow the resurrected Jesus who promises to raise you up to discover this earth has become heaven. Thank you for listening. Heavy topic this week, I understand that. But like I said, I I feel like our culture is feeling heavy uh, this week. And Christianity needs to recapture its calling to be the place for the heavy-hearted. Anyway, God bless, and we will reconnect next week for another episode of Every Square Inch. Mm